Revelation chapter number 14. This has been a wonderful place to be this this day. Thank the Lord for what He's done. What He's about to do. Revelation chapter 14. Certainly desire your prayers this morning. Uh, I just assume somebody else preached this, but I feel like the Lord's given it to me. Revelation 14, and I want to begin reading at verse number 14. Revelation 14 and verse number 14. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him, that set on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap. For the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that set on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud Cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out, listen to this, and blood came out of the winepress even and to the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. You may be seated. Our Father, God in heaven, Lord, as we come before you today, God, you know how deep we are in here today. God, you know how, how much we need you. And Father, we're asking for your touch, asking for your help. Lord, you know that we can't preach without your spirit. And God, we're trusting in you today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would preach this message today. Father, I pray, God, that it land upon the ears that need to hear. And God, if there's one here that needs you, Father, I pray that they, you would introduce yourself to them. And God, that they'd get acquainted with you before they leave. And God, if there's one that has a burden, has a need, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd meet them right where they're at. And Lord, that you'd be lifted up. God, that you'd be honored. God, that you'd be glorified above all. Father, we love you. We thank you and praise you. Give you glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. You can be seated now. I thought about out of all the 66 books of the Bible, when you begin to read and begin to study in the book of Revelation, uh, you'll find that it is the most controversial uh, writings that there is in the Bible. You'll find that it is the most misinterpreted book of the Bible. You'll find that it is uh, the most misunderstood book of the Bible. And I believe that there are at least three different ways that we can approach and look and when studying the book of Revelation, no doubt that you can see where John saw things that already happened. We can look at it historically. And no doubt that we can look at it doctrinally. And no doubt that we can look at it prophetically. We can look to see things that are yet to come. And you think about that this morning. And I want you to notice uh, this as, uh, as well. But you know, if there's any problem, if there's any issue... It's not with God's Word. This, the book of Revelation is still an inspired book. It was still 
penned down by godly men inspired by the Holy Ghost of God. So if there's any problem, if there's any doubt or any confusion, it's on my part and it's on your part. This is still the precious Word of God. Now, you notice in verse number 20 with me, if you will, notice what it says. And the winepress was trodden without the city. And blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Now you think about that. We see that, that, that there was a, a great flow of blood, if you will. Now do you know, uh, I understand or estimate that a horse bridle to be somewhere between four to five foot deep. Mate, mate, am I right close to that, Lisa? I know Lisa deals with horses all the time. Somewhere between four and five foot deep. So you think about that. Now, do you know how long 1,600 furlongs is? 200 miles. You're exactly right, Brother Mike. 200 miles. So you get this in your mind, the flow of blood that is taking place that John looked out and saw. Now, this is a time yet to come. This is something that we ain't seen yet. And it's just around the corner, I believe. This is something that John looked and seen in the future. There's going to be a time coming when the blood of God is going to run deep and it's going to flow deep. And the wrath of God is going to run deep and flow deep. Now you think about that. You think about this. You might Now you, I understand that there or know that there are 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. And I understand that the word blood is mentioned 19 times. And some, the old people called it, uh, it they, they called it a, a bloody book, if you will. Anywhere you cut it, it's going to bleed. You think about that. And I thought about this. You know, you might call it a bloody salvation. You may call it a, a slaughterhouse religion. You can pin on it whatever you want to. But I know this. Without the blood of Christ, you're not going to make it to heaven today. Without the precious blood of the Lord Jesus, there is no hope for you today. Now you think about this. I thought about... Going back to the the first three chapters of the book, Revelation or Genesis, the first three chapter chapters in Genesis. Do you know that the word blood is not mentioned? Now, do you know that the word blood is not mentioned in the last three chapters of Revelation? Why is that? You think about that today, church. My goodness, you go back to the to the day of the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. You know there was a perfect place. There was a place that God made that was perfect. There was a place that God made that we, hey, I believe, had sin not entered into the world, Adam and Eve would still be living today. There would be no thorns out here, you think about it. But because of the fall of man, the curse of sin, and now we see the results of sin and the effects that it has in our life. But you can see that there, the word blood is not mentioned in the first three chapters of the, the, of the Bible. Now, the word blood is not mentioned in the last three chapters of the Bible. In the last three chapters of Revelation. You know why that is? Because John wrote about a, a, a city. He described a city that's coming out of the city of God. Jerusalem when it comes down. And the Lamb of God is going to be the light of that place. My goodness, you think about that. And we're going to see walls of jasper and streets of gold. My goodness, a, 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 a crystal a river that flows through the throne of God. You think about that. It's a perfect place. And now let me say this. Everywhere there is a, a, a sin, everywhere, every time there was a fall of man, blood had to be applied. And we can look down everywhere else you read in the Bible, you'll find the depravity of man. You'll find the sinful man. And because of that, God had to supply the blood. You think the blood sacrifices that was made all down through the, the, the years. And you know, I thought about this, and there's there's 
There's four things I want you to notice, and I'll be down and out of the way here in just a moment. But there's four things I want you to notice from this passage of Scripture. There are four times, three, at least three or four times. Maybe we'll get to the fourth one, maybe not. But I, I, there are at least three or four times when we'll notice and see that the blood will flow deep. You think about that. John talked about that sight that he saw there uh, in, in time to come. He saw that the, the blood was as tall, as high as the horse bridles, and it was for a space of 200 miles long. There's going to be a time when the blood flows deep. Now, let me just say this there has been a time when the blood has flown deep. There is a time right now that the blood is still flowing deep, and there will be a time that the blood will flow deep. Now, you think about that. My goodness. When it comes to being saved, bless God Almighty, the blood will flow deep. You think about that this morning. I'm about to get beside myself. I'm about to preach here in just a little bit. Bless His holy name. My goodness, you think in, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5, notice what it says. He said there in Revelation 1 and 5, let me turn there just for a moment. He said this, He said unto Him that loved us and washed us from, his, from our sins, in His own blood. Now let me just say that. That wasn't my blood. That wasn't your blood. But that was the very precious blood of the Lord Jesus. Today. It, my, it wasn't the blood of lambs and goats. It was the blood of the only begotten Lamb of God. Bless His holy name. My goodness, you think there's going to be a time when the blood is going to run deep. Now you think about this. You may ask how, just how deep does that blood run? I'm glad you asked. It runs deeper than the stains of your sins. It'll get down into the depths of your sin and it'll remove sin. You know what? I can stand before God today as though I've never sinned before. Not because of what I've done. Not because of what mommy and daddy's done. Not because of what the preacher's done. But simply because of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Now you think about this. Now, my goodness, I thought about that song, What? can wash away my sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. White can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. My goodness, there's something special about the blood today. Now you think about this. Uh, you might say, well, God's blood's not going to cover me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've did. Let me say this. It makes no difference what you've done. It makes no difference where you've been, how you've done it, what you've said, how you've said it. But what makes the difference today is the blood of Christ. And that's what makes the difference in your life today. Now let me ask you this. How many, how many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of William Cowper? William Cowper. You heard of him, Jeff? William Cowper. William Cowper was born in England. And at the age of four years old, I want to share this with you, but at the age of four years old, his mommy died. And he got, he, and, and he got confused. He got upset. And, and he wrote in his biography, he wrote that he, even to the day of his, uh, and down to the day of, of his death, he, he, he was startled by the event that took place there at the death of his mommy. And he said he could think... He could remember looking out and, and on them old cobblestone streets over there in England, he, he watched as they loaded that box up in the wagon and the horse took it down the street. And, and he, he could still hear the clack of those shoe horses, the, ho the, the shoes of the horses going down the street. And Now his daddy was a preacher, an old time reformed preacher. 
And I understand that he had a, had a church over there where he preached and William would go to church and he got angry. He got bitter at God and he got, grew up a little bit and got older and he got bitter and he shook his fist at God and he thought if, if God was, was real, if God was true, he said God wouldn't have killed my, got, my mommy wouldn't have died when she did. And he would go and listen to his daddy preach about love and the love of God and being saved and he got mad and he left. He got old enough and he left and went out on his own. Went over to the ne uh, next town, and he got so low in sin, and got so far out into the sin, and he, he, him and another fella, they uh, started a bar, the biggest bar in England. Hundreds of people, it was a huge place, and literally hundreds of people would come, and sin would just run rampant through that place, the, uh, women falling in the arms of married men, uh, alcohol sliding up and down the bars, and they were just cussing and ranting and, and cussing and cursing at God, and they were just living like wild people, living in sin. And he got to think, and every once in a while, somebody would ask him, say, William, isn't your daddy a preacher? And he'd get mad, and he said, no, my daddy's a pagan. He believes in a false god. If God was real, if God was true, my mommy would have never died when she did. And he'd get mad. He shook his fist at God. Well, it wasn't long he got to thinking about in the days, in the days of, of going to church with his daddy, he thought about the time when they would have communion. And he thought, well, we're going to have communion. Now let me just say this. I understand that the name of his bar there in England was called the Gates of Hell. And I understand that in the gates of hell, there was one time that he got to thinking about, uh, about his daddy in, in, in church and going to church with his daddy and how they would have communion in the church. And he thought, well, we're going to have communion in the gates of hell. And how that he had all the bartenders to, to pour those little shots of glasses and he, they handed them out to hundreds of people there inside of that bar. And he, he got up on the platform and silenced everybody and he said, now, he said, we're just about to, to have communion in the gates of hell. And he said he recalled in his biography as he raised that glass just about ready to take a sip of that wine, he said something spoke to him and he said, William Cowper, if you drink that wine, you're going straight to hell. He said, William Cowper, if you drink that wine, you're going straight to hell. He said he threw down that uh, bottle of, or that little shot of uh, wine. He ran out of the gates of hell, ran down to his daddy's house, ran all the way to his daddy's house, ended up on the front porch at 3 o'clock in the morning, knocking on the door of his daddy's, that little old preacher man. He said, finally, that old man stumbled to the front door, opened the door at 3 o'clock in the morning. Here laid William Clapper. Cowper flat out on the, on the porch. He said, son, what's wrong with you? Are you drunk again? He said, no, daddy. He said, I'm saved. He said, I thought I'd go to hell. But then you got to the front porch. But daddy, God saved me on the front porch today. And he got up and kicked himself off and walked in. He went back to bed that day in his daddy's house. That night, his dad, he got up the next morning. And he said, daddy, he said, I almost went to hell last night. He said, I was making fun of the blood of Jesus. He said, I was about to, to do the worst thing I could have ever done. I was making fun of the blood of Jesus. He said, God, he said, God would have took me to hell that day if I would have took a drink of that glass, that, that wine. He said, Daddy, he said, this, this may sound weird. This may sound strange, but he said, I want to write a song. He said, I feel like God is calling me to write a song. And his daddy said, William, you've only been saved for just a few hours. He said, I know it. He said, but God is wanting me to write a song. And he sat down in his daddy's study there in his house. He began to write. How many of you have ever heard of the song, There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flow, lose all their guilty stains. William Clapper sat down and put the words to that song on paper. And now you and I, you 
and I have sang it hundreds of times. The blood will run deep. The blood will, will thank God, the blood ran deep when Jesus saved my soul. Ran deeper than the stains of my sin. Bless His holy name today. Now I want you to notice this. In Revelation, I'm sorry, number two is simply this. The blood will, run, will flow deep when the rapture takes place. You ever think about that? The blood will flow deep when the rapture takes place. You think about that. You know. Now let me just say this. For the child of God, for the blood-bought, born-again Christian, the saved person, we're not going to be here for the rapture. Amen. Let me just say this. If you're here for the first three and a half years of it, don't worry about packing your britches because you're going to be here the rest of it as well. But you think about this. My goodness, the blood will run deep during the rapture. Now you think about this. In Revelation chapter number 4 and verse number 1, you know, I thought about, I thought about this and how that the church is going to be gone. The church is going to be up out of here before the rapture takes place. Amen. And let me just say this. There's nothing big that has to happen. The stars don't have to line up like this. The moon doesn't have to line up like this. But let me say this. It could happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Before we get up and leave that door right there, guess what? The Lord Jesus can come back and claim the church and take the church up out of here. Nothing has to happen. Now you think about this. In Revelation chapter number 4, you know, uh, in, well, in, in chapter number 2 and chapter number 3 of Revelation, John is he's writing to the churches. And then all of a sudden in Revelation chapter 4 and, and, and verse number 1, I want you to notice this. Notice what it says in Revelation 4 and 1. It says, After this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as, a, was as it were of a trumpet talking with me and said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Now let me just say this. I understand that from Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1 through the rest of the book, you don't find the word church. You know why? Because the church is gone. The church is raptured out of here. There's coming a day when God is going to call the church home and we, don't, we won't be here for the tribulation period. The blood is going to run deep during the tribulation period. Now let me just share this with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 50, Paul said that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, we've got to get rid of this vile body. This vile flesh, the sinfulness of this flesh, it's got to go back to the ground. And even the blood that runs through your veins, it's not going to go to heaven. Let me just say this. For you to go to heaven with blood in your body is to be a reproach upon the blood of Jesus. It's to say that Jesus' blood wasn't good enough. It's to say that, that Jesus did not suffer and bleed and die on a cross at Calvary. We've got to get rid of this vile body. And the blood that runs through our veins, we're not gonna, it's not going to go up into heaven. Now, blood is the result of sin. So you think about that. Now, you, you think about this. The blood is going to run deep during the... You ever think that there are seven and a half billion people in the world today? 
Some, somewhere around that. I, I, my mind can't get a hold of that. Seven and a half billion people. So in order for us to go to heaven, we've got to lose our blood. So you think about during the rapture. If there is 25% of those seven and a half billion, I don't know how many saved, how many's not in the world today. But if 25% of them are saved today, I've got this number wrote down here. And it, could you imagine that there is going to be 3,750,000,000 gallons of blood left behind during the rapture, when the rapture happens. When I go to heaven, my blood's staying here. When you go to heaven, your blood is staying here. The blood is going to flow deep during the rapture. Now, you think about this. And I, th I thought about I thought about maybe some of you husbands. Maybe your wife isn't saved. You get up early one morning, go in and make a pot of coffee or whatever it may be, and you wonder where your wife's at. You think about that. And where I got that backwards. Your wife isn't saved. And she gets up and goes and makes the pot of coffee and comes back to the bed and there's a pool of blood. You think about it. The rapture's happened. She, she realizes that Jesus has came and she's been left behind. You think about this. Maybe some of these cheap teenagers come home and pull in the driveway wondering where mom and dad's at and these rebellious teenagers. They come home and wonder where mom and dad's at. Don't smell mom cooking dinner. Dad's not sitting around the house Somewhere, but they look and there's two pools of blood. Gone. Out of here. The rapture has happened. You think about it. And they realize that they've been left behind. I want you to know that the blood is going to flow deep. The blood is going to run deep during the rapture. You think about that. Now I want you to notice this. Not only does the blood run deep uh, to, to be saved. And not only does it run deep during the, the rapture. But the blood will flow deep. When God brings revenge upon wickedness. You ever think about that? There's coming a time. John saw it. I believe John looked down and saw it. There's coming a time when Jesus referred to it. In the book of Matthew chapter number 24. He called it uh, the great tribulation period. Let me just say this. There's coming a time when the great tribulation is going to happen. There's coming a time when, when sin. Could, could you imagine. You, you think about sin today. You think how we have progressed in sin just over the last five years. You think where we've come to, where we've gotten to. And you think it's bad today. Can you imagine? I can't hardly even imagine it getting any worse than what it is. But let me say this, it's going to get worse. When God calls His Spirit up out of you know what? God's Spirit has restraints right now on sin. Because of the church is still here. Because of the Holy Ghost of God is still here. There is restraints upon sin. But could you imagine when God calls the church out of here at the rapture and the great tribulation period begins, could you imagine how sin is going to be rampant across this place? I don't even want to think about it. I don't even want to think what sin is going to be like in those days without the restraint of the Holy Ghost of God upon it. Now, in Revelation chapter 4 or chapter 14 and verse number 10, you know, you think about this, and I want to read that in Revelation chapter 4, 14 and verse 10, it says this. 
The same shall drink of the wine of, of the wrath of God, which shall which is poured out without mixture. Now let me just say this. There's coming a time when God is going to rain down His wrath upon the face of this earth like nobody has ever seen before. Now, God has showed His wrath on the face of this earth prior to now. You think going back to the days of Noah. Going back to the days of the great flood. But you know what? God has always had mixed it with mercy. God has always showed mercy. And you think about the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and how God showed mercy to that family when He rained down fire and brimstone. God has always... But let me just say this. There's coming a time when God is going to pour out His wrath without mercy. Amen. Without mixture and without mercy. He tells us right there in, in, in Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 10, it says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of His indignation. Now, you think about this. There's going to be no mercy. The blood is going to run deep. The time In the time of revenge against wickedness. You know, there's going to come a time when God, God sees enough. God sees enough sin. There's going to come a time when God says that that's the last baby that's going to be aborted. You think about that. Hey, I'm telling you, think about this. My goodness, isn't it awful to think that there's 4,000 children, babies that is aborted on average every day worldwide? You think about where we've gotten to, the places that we've gotten ourselves into, and the messes that we've gotten ourselves into. Now, you think about this. In Revelation chapter 9, in verse number 6, you'll find that suicide will be at an all-time high. And you know, I understand, I've done a little bit of research on that, and I understand that over the past, well, just in the last 24 hours, worldwide, there has been something like almost 2,200 suicides worldwide. Over the last 24 hours, you think about that. Almost 100 per hour suicides worldwide. But you know, in the time of the tribulation period, it's going to be a lot higher than that. The Bible tells us that they're going to seek to die. Men and women are going to seek to die. But notice what it says. It says that death will flee from them. Could you imagine... Could you imagine trying to kill yourself, slitting your wrist, and eight pints of blood pumps out on the ground, and there you stand, whiter than white shirt, not able to die, seeking to die. The blood is going to run deep during the Great Tribulation period. You think about it, church. My goodness, you know. Now, I think I thought about this. I want to move on. I'll be done here in just a moment. But I thought about, I thought about how deep the blood. It's going to run when it comes to being saved. And how deep the blood runs when it comes. You think about this. My goodness. The fourth thing I want you to notice is simply this. The blood is going to run deep when the returning king comes. Yeah. Now you think about that. Now he's not just a king. He's not just some king. But I want you to know that He is the King. The one and only King. The King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not just a king. Now, you know that the second coming 
is in two different phases. You think about the rapture prior to the great tribulation period. And then at the end of that seven year period, the, the tribulation period, you think about the revelation at the conclusion of the tribulation period. And now, and, and you'll see that in, in what we read a little bit uh, here this, this morning in Revelation 14 and also over in Revelation chapter number 19. And you know at this time, the Antichrist is going to pull all the armies of the world together. There's going to be a one world army. And he's going to pull them all together. Now you think about this. He's going to pull them down into that valley of Megiddo. You ever heard of the battle of Armageddon? And how that they're going to gather that, that great uh, battle there, that great army there. And how that they're going to push, they think they're going to push Israel, the Israelites out into the Mediterranean Sea. But I think God's got better plans for them and God's got, got news for them. But you think about this, how that they're gathering together that great army. But you know what I could imagine as they gather that great army together and, and no doubt the Antichrist is there and the devil Satan himself is there. And no, could you imagine when the eastern sky split? Could you imagine? And here comes the king on a white horse ascending out of heaven. You think about that? Now, I understand that on his thigh there are wor the words written, the word of God. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But wait a minute. There's a whole bunch of white horses in behind him. Bless the Lord. Hey, there's a number amount of horses that's in behind him. You know what? That's you. That's me. You know what? We're not there to come down there and fight and draw the sword. But you know what we're there for? We're to shout the victory. We're to claim the victory. You know what's going to happen? That king is going to dismount off of his white horse. He's going to go down with the sword of his mouth and he is going to trample that great army into the wide press of God. You think about the wrath of God that's going to be poured out. Hey, the blood is going to... John saw it. He said it was uh, as high as the horse's bridle, 200 miles long. You think about what's going to happen that day when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes down and destroys that great... You think about it. Billions and billions of people gathered together in that great valley. And how that Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords is going to go down and He's going to destroy every one of them. He's going to trample on them. You know what a wine press is? They would take those grapes and they would put them in a, in a big tub or whatever, a, a big bucket of some kind, and they would get in them and they would stomp on them and trample them, and, and the juice would run out. That's what that valley's going to be like when Jesus is finished. He's going to trample that great army into the ground. The wine press and the wrath of God. Now you think about this. And wow, that you and I are sitting there on our white horses shouting the victory. You know, God is going to allow an angel to take that demon, to take the old devil, the Antichrist, and he's going to throw him in to that bottomless pit. And guess what? He's got the key. He's not coming back out of there. Bless his holy name. You know what? He's got the king has got that he's got that vesture. And the Bible says that it looks as though that vesture has been dipped in blood. And he's going to come back and he's going to, he's going to saddle up back on that, that white horse and he's going to turn that horse towards Jerusalem. He's going to go over there and he's going to set up. He's going to ride through the same gate that he rode out of. He's going to enter into that city and he's going to climb up on the, the throne of David and he's going to sit there and you know what we're going to do? We're going to crash our, cast our crowns before him. Bless his holy name. You know what? 
He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Let me just say this. There, you may not want to bow before Him today. You may not bow and confess Him today. But let me say this. There will be a day. That's not me telling you. That's not the pastor telling you. It's the Word of God telling you. There will be a day that every knee. If you've got three knees, every one of them is going to bow. Every knee is going to bow and confess. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Christ the Lord to the glory of God the Father. You stand with me this morning if you would please. Jeff. Andrew, you come on back to the piano please. Jennifer, are you able to come, please? Church, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you today. I've almost lost my voice. But if the Lord has spoken to you, if you've got a burden, if you've got a need, let me just say this. Don't, for the child of God, don't, don't get nervous. Don't get concerned about the great tribulation period. Because we're not going to be here. You can stay here if you want. But I'm leaving here, Brother John. I'm getting up out of here. Thank God when that trumpet sounds. Bless the Lord. I just want to invite you to use this altar. If God has spoken to you in some way, somehow, you think about it. I, I I believe simply today God is patient. He's long-suffering. He's loving. And I think simply because of your loved ones and my loved ones, He hasn't come back today. Long-suffering. Now remember when He was calling me and how He was patient with me and long-suffering with... And you know, today is a special day to me. August the 8th, 1988. 33 years ago today, a little 10-year-old boy knelt at a bellows trough. I don't remember what i done yesterday. I can't remember what i done this morning. But I cannot forget when Jesus saved me. What a difference and what a change He's made in my life. I don't know what I'd do without Him. And I don't know how people go a day without Him. Let me just say this. If you're here today without Jesus, you need Him. You need Him. More than your next breath, you need the Lord Jesus. If you're here today and you're struggling, you're in a battle, you're up against the fence, why don't you come and unburden yourself here at this altar?